Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this Sunday afternoon via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, the Islanders played two whole games this week. Two! Can you believe it? Uh, they won one and they lost one. The win was pretty thrilling. The loss was pretty sad. And uh, <laughs> we're kind of right back to where we started from again, wondering uh, what the rest of the season is going to be like for this team. Yeah, it's, it's, it takes a lot of uh, self-control to kind of keep the, the big picture view. <laughs> I was at the game against Washington with my dad, and it it, it it was, I feel like I say this every game, and it's, it's part of it is like superstition and trying to reverse mush the Islanders. And I'm like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's pretty clear they're not going to score. And um, when Dobson ripped the post, I was like, oh, I think actually they might be onto something here. And then the rest of the period, they just they just were snuffed out and mm. uh, it became pretty obvious when Josh Bailey made, uh, you know, when, when the Josh Bailey museum opens in Belmont, <laughs> then there would be paintings hanging the painting. There's going to be the good, the good hall, which is like, his mm. like real highlights. And, and then there's going to be the bad hall and you can, you know, you can take your family into both at the same time. It's a single admission, of course, at the Josh Bailey mm. m- museum. And, um, you know, when you go from the, you you'd probably want to start with the bad hall because you want to, <laughs> you know, set yourself up for the, for the the good ending and uh, the the opportunity he passed up yesterday that was yeah. uh, vintage, vintage <laughs> coach and that and that's when it became clear like if 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 they're not going to score on that they're probably not going to score for the game and um it it was frustrating because like they they were building momentum and there's so many different ways you can look at the stretch of games they've been playing right like they 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 won three of their last four which is what basically we've been saying this team needs to win two out of their next three mm-hmm. uh or you know 66 percent of their games for the rest of the season to to claw their way back into an absurd playoff race um and they did that in terms of like the four game sample but in the immediate when you lose that game you come out feeling like well the season's over again and i mean it's 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 the season's in all likelihood been over for a while but it's like this you know this is just season's more over today and uh <laughs> But then you you come back up for air and you look at the next few games and they're all they're very winnable and and the winnable games are the must win games right two against Philadelphia and, and then the Arizona game um so you know you you could be looking at a, a stretch where if if all goes right which you know knock on wood let's hope it does and the Islanders win games that they will likely be favored to win um or even if they take like five out of six points you're looking at a stretch of you know uh six of seven or whatever it is would be uh or five one and one whatever the stretch ends up and you're like well if they play that kind of hockey or uh make a habit out of this kind of stretches uh the season won't be over 
too soon, which is basically what we've been asking for since the unbelievable 11 game losing streak, um, which will have a lot of paintings from Josh bit into the Josh Bailey <laughs> bad museum. Well, that, that museum, I think you're right. You would want to start with the bad era and that would basically be his entire rookie season when this poor guy was on one of the worst teams ever as like a 17 or 18 year old. And, and, uh, you know, it who, seems who's 17 or 18 who's overdrafted, like relative yes, to his yes. position too. <laughs> it's like, and, like the, and, he was like, everyone was like, oh, this guy's a project. He's going to, he's getting good hockey IQ. And then oh, what do the Islanders do? They just like, nah, you're, you're riding shotgun with Doug Wade on the first line, buddy, <laughs> a 38 year old Doug Wade. Well, there was like, it, it was, he was a project, but he was also like kind of a big junior scorer guy. So it was sort of like everybody wanted him to be kind of all things at, at one time. But uh, yeah, that, that season, I don't know. It's uh kind of a classic uh early islander season where nothing went right and everybody was at fault for everything and just nothing ever worked but and it's a little similar to this season we'll talk more about the games coming up uh at the you know the second half but you know this season is going to go down uh, barring some kind of miracle run to the playoffs and every day i kind of feel like that that becomes less and less likelihood um not so much because of the islanders but because i don't see any of the teams ahead of them losing 10 games in a row. Like I can see a situation where the Islanders, like you said, I mean, they just, they had won three out of their last four. They had won a couple before uh, their pause, you know, just at the end of December, they got these three very winnable games coming up right now. You know, maybe they get some momentum. Maybe they could, they could even beat the Leafs next Saturday. And then they have a bunch of winnable games in the, the week after. So like I can see the Islanders totally putting together a run and, and gathering points and, you know, a stretch of a long stretch of games. I just, I can't see the Bruins all of a sudden dropping 10 of 11. Or the Rangers dropping. I mean, these teams seem to win by accident sometimes. Like the <laughs> Rangers, they did not have a great game against the Flyers the other day, but they just won. You know, I mean, the Penguins didn't have a great game against the Sharks, but they just won. You know, and the Bruins just now they got two Karaspaks. They just keep winning. So that's that's my problem. I just I can't yeah. see any of those teams dropping off and, that, and, that and much. Like this is like the duality of it all, right? Like the those teams are just all winning. You said it games on accident like they're mm. winning games for fun and you look at the the Bruins right now are in the last playoff spot in in the east and they're playing at 108 point pace so <laughs> you look at it and you can say oh, I'm really discouraged because that is absurd and this team's really good and they're not gonna slow down and, and yeah the Bruins are really good um I think and uh but you also can think you know that's not sustainable like they're, they're, <laughs> we've never seen a playoff <laughs> a season where the last team that gets into Cut the playoffs off. finishes at uh, 108 points um <laughs> and and you know, that would mean all eight teams you're talking between like what 123 and like 108 or yeah. something and it just won't happen so you can look at it that way and, and and i really do think it's more than like more likely than not that one of these teams comes down and it's not it's a the question is like have they built up so much room that even that doesn't bring them to the Islanders. And there, there is definitely a shift also in the league. I wrote an article over the week um, at Action Network about how uh, favorites are just absolutely crushing in the NHL this season, which is, it's, it's usually not the case. It's, it's usually favorites win around 56 to 58, 59% of their games in the NHL, which is actually, you know, not as high as not as much as you think it is that, that, that equates to like minus like 137, 138 odds uh, on average. So, what, what, but what it is, is we're seeing like 63% this year um, and we're seeing big favorites uh, win a lot. And we're seeing uh, that there's just more really, really bad teams. There's much more punching bags uh, in the <laughs> yeah. NHL this season than there are usual. If there's a site called uh, StatMuse and I was looking it up that, you know, what's the lowest points percentage any team has finished in the NHL um, since the the shootout. So 2005 uh, was, in, was brought in and there's six, there were 16 teams, um, including this year, you know, just saying like if the season ended today, like under 0.375 points percentage. So 16 teams, 11, um, five of them would have been, would, or this season. So five out of 16 of the worst teams we've seen since um, 2005 are playing in the season. It's like Ottawa, Buffalo, uh, <laughs> Arizona, Arizona, comes in Mont- next week. Montreal, Montreal, Montreal's got a worse, worse record than I think than Arizona right mm. now. And then Seattle. So, yeah, and and some of these teams may not finish that low. Like I, I would suspect that Ottawa won't. Um, I mm. think actually Ottawa and Buffalo are now like above that that arbitrary mark I set. But mm. what it's just telling you that you know, you're getting if you're in the Atlantic, you're Florida, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston. You're you're facing 
Buffalo, Ottawa, Montreal. There's three of the five, <laughs> three of the sixteen worst teams we've seen yeah. in, since 2005. You're seeing them four times a season. That's 12 games that you should you're going to win a, like 10 or 11 of without right. a problem. And then uh, it's just it's the cupcakes are just there for the taking. And and I yeah, so that's what goes for Vegas too, out in the Pacific. Like, right. you can, if you're going to play Seattle and Arizona a bunch of times a year this year, that you're, that you're just gifted points, basically. And, and I think it all speaks to just how, like, the season. I mean, last season was so weird, but it was set up weird preseason. Like, yes. you went into it with the expectation, like, this is going to be weird because they completely changed the format of the league. We were playing the teams in your division. It's 56 games. There's no crowd yet. Uh, this season, you went into it with, like, hopes of a little bit of normalcy. And I think everyone. Uh, who was you? Know, you would have to be a little naive for you not to think that it wasn't going to be interrupted at some point by something. Um, and you, but everyone was thinking, yeah, the weirdest part of the season is going to be the Olympic break, which uh, is not even happening anymore because <laughs> the season has gone so off the rails. Right. And that I think has ble- bled over into the actual, you know, competition. Uh, so, and I guess you can you can argue that of all the teams in the league, uh, the Islanders have been affected by the uh, absolute baddiness of the season more than any team uh and it's not even it might not even be close and uh that's that's uh you know that's what they're dealing with like they're if you look at it from from that perspective too you're like uh you know if, if this team can can defy all the odds and all the biblical things that have been thrown at them uh you know you're, you're talking about a really really special season when when things come to the end and if they don't like there's still i think plenty of reason to be optimistic about where the Islanders are, and we'll talk about even you know, kind of uh, like other extenuating reasons to be optimistic, I guess, in in, in second half. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it, there's just so many ways to to look at where they are right now, and mm-hmm. um, the, but the reality, of course, is that they're twenty points, twenty. Yeah, the reality almost twenty is, points out. Yeah, the reality is not looking very good for them. I, I would actually put Montreal a little bit above the Islanders in terms of like what they've dealt with. I mean, they started the season without price and Weber every week. Somebody gets hurt. They got, they've had just as many dudes on the COVID list, but the Islanders are, are right there. I mean, obviously they went they're still without Ryan Pollock, who's not only hurt, but also on the COVID list. Now uh, Barry Trotz is also on the COVID list and uh, condolences to Barry and his family on the loss of their mom uh, a few weeks ago uh, where Barry missed the game. And, um, Lane Lambert was is two and one now as head coach uh, while the coach, you know, uh, took care of family business back in, in Manitoba and then ended up on the COVID list. So it's been a couple of rough couple of weeks for uh, Barry. Hopefully he, he recovers and, uh, and is in better spirits uh, soon. But um, yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it's, I just, I don't know. I'm almost fascinated to fast forward to the end of the season and see what people kind of, think about it because in a lot of ways it, there's just yes you know again we've talked about it and we're going to talk about it again in the second half about kind of changes the islanders can make on their own but there's so many extenuating circumstances going into this season but l- let's talk about some good stuff. let's talk about these two games that happened here one of which was was actually a really feel good win after having 11 days off or whatever it was they played the devils uh last thursday at ubs and you know, you, you would wonder if there was going to be rustiness, if it was going to be a, one of those kind of sloppy, terrible games. And it was kind of sloppy in both ends. And the Islanders gave up the first goal. Um, oh, sorry, I forgot. Uh, another happy news. Uh, J.G. Pajo and Sebastian Ajo both missed that game because their wives had babies. So, hey, congratulations. Mazel tov to everybody. I don't know how often. There's a stat for you. How many times two two teammates have had <laughs> the wives give birth on the same day and they end up missing the game. That's pretty wild. But um it was, you know, kind of a strange disjointed game going in. John Gillies started in goal for the Devils. He's like their fourth or fifth string guy because uh, everybody else is either hurt or or on the COVID list, as Clancy Blackwood was earlier. Uh, and they gave up the first goal. Uh, it was kind of a softy, honestly, for Ilya Sorokin. Hasn't happened too often. But they tied it with a Josh Bailey power play goal. Power play was really has been really clicking as of late. Not so much against Washington, but we'll talk about it in a second. Um, it was a while. You know, you don't see the Islanders have – periods where the shots are 14 each uh, that often, but that's the way it was. And then the second period, they, they kind of started to take over. Adam Pellick scored a goal. New all-star Adam Pellick. Wow. We should talk about him at the end too. Uh, he scored a goal. Zach Priestley had a great game. He had two assists. He was in front screening the goal. Uh, it's hard to tell whose junk that puck knocked off of. It was either Parisi's or Ryan Graves, the uh, devil's defenseman, but in either case worked out pretty well for Ryan Pellick, Ryan Pellick, uh, Adam Pellick and the, uh, the game, uh, the Islanders took a 2-1 lead. The Devils did tie it 
Uh, but the Islanders untied it thanks to Matt Barzell and a beautiful play with uh, Josh Bailey sort of give and go. Uh, Bailey passed it back to Barzell, who was in the slot, and he just ripped it home, and it was great. Uh, it was a good game. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom uh, had a, laid a big hit on Jimmy VC, popped the helmet. Um, Ross Johnston put a big hit on somebody and ended up getting suspended three games for it. Uh, got a little bit hairy at the end, but ultimately the Islanders did you know secure a, a pretty big win, 3-2 over, like you said, one of those teams that really – they should beat uh, Sorokin didn't look perfect, but he had 27 saves. So can't, can't complain too much. Um, then there was Saturday afternoon against Washington, complete opposite of the, what I just said. Uh, there's not a whole lot to say about this one. They lost two nothing. Um, Matt Martin was back in lineup for Ross Johnston. Ron, uh, Ron Wilson, Tom Wilson scored early of all, of all people. Uh, you know, the UBS crowd loved that. Uh, three Islanders were kind of on one side of the ice staring at, God knows what. And Wilson was left by himself again, ripped it home and can't blame him. And the only guy who really showed up for the Islanders in that game was Simeon Varlamov, who was fantastic. He had uh, 35 saves. A lot of them, you know, not super dangerous. There weren't a whole lot of high danger chances for either team, really for both, but the caps, you know, they're kind of a volume shooting team these days. And he had 35 saves. He was great. The other Islanders, not so much. They had their, their moments, but overall it was a pretty sloppy game. And afterwards Lane Lambert was like, you know, that's kind of the game we expected to get against the devils. And it just ended up showing up a day later. Um, and just, I don't know, just really kind of demoralizing, just a very, like, you know, to lose is one thing, but like to be in the situation that they're in and we could all talk about, you know, where they are at in the standings. And then to, you know, the caps are a good team. Like credit the caps were playing a very good, solid defensive game. And was one, nothing until Alex Ovechkin hit that empty netter. So, I mean, it wasn't like the Islanders got blown out of the building or anything, but they just, they never really quite had the same energy the Caps did. They were never able to kind of get past the Caps' uh, really stringent defense uh, and never, again, really put too many like high-danger chances on the board. And before you know it, the game was over, and it was 2 nothing. And all that with Ralph Macchio in attendance. Come on. you can't get If you can't get up for Ralph Macchio being there, <laughs> what are we doing out here? Yeah. Like, come on. Give me a break. So, you know, like you said, I mean, it's one of those losses where you, you're like, oh, well, that, you know, even in a normal season, you would like watch that game and be like, oh, well, that's the end of that. They're done. Yeah. But, you know, in this season, it really does kind of feel like, yeah, they might be done. <laughs> like, it's just that was that was not a good game. And, you know, in a way, it's maybe if they win the next three against Philly and then against Arizona, you know, it kind of washes the taste out of your mouth. But that was not a great way to kind of kick off a Saturday afternoon. You know? Yep. Yeah, because he. It just puts so much more pressure on those next games now. And um, yeah, I think like going back to that Devils game, I thought um, the Islanders were kind of sucked into playing a game against the team that uh, wanted to get the Islanders off of, uh, you know, a a, a stoic kind of structured game. And Uh, yeah, very undisciplined game, by the way. Pelic and Nelson, two penalties each in that game. So, yeah. (laughs) That second one was hilarious. That was yeah. like that was 2016 Brock come, uh, coming out, um, and uh, the the Devils succeeded in that way. But the Islanders, you know, you're playing John Gillies. By the way, was really good, and mm. uh, like you said, and Sorokin was. Uh, it's it speaks a lot to Eli Sorokin that he wasn't very good. I don't think, but still only landed two goals. Uh, made some really nice saves, uh, but they, yeah, they ended up playing uh, well enough and, and kind of just out talenting the devils, um, which was what they needed to do in that environment. And I thought there's a couple guys that stood out in that game, uh, Barzell and Bailey, mm-hmm. uh, especially. And I thought Andy green was really good. Andy green went, made a play at the end. Uh, it was a little scary when it was char and green to close out the game. And, uh, <laughs> there was just a puck in the corner where with like maybe two minutes left, a minute and a half left. And, uh, green was the first one to it, but he had no, the, the, the near side wall that he was facing was, was cut off by a couple of devils. The middle of the ice was too dangerous in that situation. So what did he do? He just quickly reversed the puck all the way along the boards out to the <laughs> other point and cleared it perfectly and got the Islanders out of trouble, which is what he does. And I think he's actually been really good. And I say it again um, for, for this, basically the entire season after like the first week or so. And um but they were, I mean, there there was a lot more standouts in that game, and then so you you expected that that Washington game for these players to kind of continue it. But everyone, there were just so many miss easy passes and just mm. the lack of execution was just so frustrating. Because I thought that game was definitely there to be taken. I think if you were if you put the shoe on the other foot and 
we are Capitals fans after that second period <laughs> thinking we should be up three, nothing right now. We kept the <laughs> Islanders are hanging around. They're, they're probably going to Nick one. Um, and they didn't, which was really frustrating. I thought like their decisions, I thought Oliver Wallstrom was, was a little, um, I don't know. It just, it, it was, it was out to lunch, I guess a little bit. His decision-making, I think when, went to shoot and went to, to give up his shot was pretty, pretty poor. Yeah. He tried the, to like muscle through three guys a couple of times, yeah. you know, to come and, to the slot. And it's like, dude, just dump it in. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you do not only for, because it's the, probably the right decision, but also because, you know, we, 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 you're going to be sitting soon if you keep doing that. Cause it's, <laughs> it's just how this team works. And I know a lot of people were frustrated that I've, I've I thought Matt, the fourth line was pretty, pretty bad. And I think a lot of that was because Matt Martin is just like a step behind everybody. Um, And uh, that's not, not good, but uh, I know a lot of people probably like, well, why don't they play Palmieri in that role instead of Martin? It's just not who this team is. You're never going to get that. (laughs) You're never, ever going to get that. I don't think. Um, But it it was like just from top to bottom, like it was, it was pretty tough. That first line didn't seem to have anything going after a good for a, a good game against the devils. I think you can make an argument that the the killer, the new killer bees, Brock Bellows and Beauvillier were all right, um, but everyone else, it just it just wasn't there, and uh, it 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 becomes it only will become oh it's just one of those games if they win the next three uh, or you know take five out of six points whatever you want to however you want to shake it, um, but and that's what's frustrating because if they did get a couple points out of a game that. They didn't deserve them. They, they and I think you could say that this season the Islanders, uh, you know, maybe they did in the road trip. I can't even remember it anymore. But they haven't really stolen any games. They haven't won any games or gotten any points in games where they didn't deserve it yet. I don't think, which is not a good recipe for success in the NHL. When, like you were saying, the Rangers could show up, be down three nothing in the third period, get outplayed by whoever, um, and they, the next thing you know, they've they've won the game in the shootout. So uh, they <laughs> yeah. got to rectify that. There's there's been no luck really. I mean, we talked at length probably in the first. It it feels weird to say the first half of the season because the Islanders have only played. Believe it or not, that was only their thirtieth game of the season. There's still fifty two games left this year. <laughs> Some of them haven't even been scheduled yet, so I don't even know how that's going to happen. But uh, yeah, there's been no luck. You know, we talked about shooting percentages earlier in the year, and they were they were down in the dumps. I mean, Kyle, Kyle Palmieri's individual shooting percentage is like. They haven't invented numbers that low yet. I mean, it's just crazy. And then you talk about, yeah, stealing games. I feel like – I don't feel like any of the goalies have really stepped up. Maybe there was – I think there was a game where Volomov really stepped up and stole it basically. But uh, but they've been few and far between. And the fact that we're kind of kind of racking our brains trying to think of one is just evidence that, you know, we didn't remember them. Although, in fairness, it was probably – if we did, it was probably a, a before or after a two-week gap in which we forgot every game that they had played. So – uh, it's just been a weird, weird, weird season. And, and again, you know, it's just the, the, even the game against the devils that they won, they didn't play Islanders hockey. Now it's probably a bad example. And I probably shouldn't even look at it that way. Cause again, they had been off for 11 days. The devils didn't play a particularly, you know, disciplined game either. Um, but again, it was kind of just wild back and forth. It was almost like a preseason game with just names that you had heard of before, you know, except in, in goal, I guess, for the Devils. But uh, so, uh, you know, we're still waiting on those games where the Islanders look like the Islanders. And I mean, to my count, they, we've only had like three or four of them all season. And, you know, that's where if you want to get sort of, um, you know, pessimistic about their chances of of turning it around and getting into the playoffs. That's where I kind of agree with you. Like, I just, I don't see, you know, I, I could see them putting wins together as they have recently, but they just, they haven't played like themselves. And I think a lot of it has to do with injuries that have hurt, you know, Pelic is, um, Pulik is out of the lineup and has been for a while, but even still like they, you know, we talked, they never really replaced Nick Letty. Uh, so that kind of empty spot there, assuming Pulik comes back, let's say soon, he's going to be paired up with Adam Pelic. Now, Chara and Dobson have played well together, finally turning that around, finally getting to, I think, where the team wanted them to be. But then that kind of leaves Scott Mayfield as the third, you know, the third guy. And who's he going to get paired with? Well, I guess Robin Sallow. I don't know if they played together this Andy Green, maybe, but like Green and Mayfield on the same pair. I feel like they've done that and it was a terrible combination. So, you know, they haven't played their game for the better part of this season. And that that's where I get kind of nervous. And it just, you know, yes. You know, there are things to look at. You can look at, you know, the progression of Dobson and guys like that. And, you know, there there are some guys, you know, uh, Barzell has looked 
and for the most part, like himself, although again, shooting percentage isn't there. Pucks aren't quite falling for him the same way. Lee has looked more or less like himself, but you know, you just, I just want to see that team again. I just, that's the thing. I just want to see that Islanders team that we've seen the last couple of years back together. And if they, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, Hey, you know what? A lot happened and, and, you know, you kind of chalk it up maybe to that, but I just want to see that team again. The, the, you know, the one that everybody complained about the one that, the team that <laughs> won every, you know, two to every game, two to one. And, you know, they had gave up a ton of shots, but somehow, managed to out, you know, get all the high danger chances in the one game and then score and then nobody was like, oh, these guys winning games. I want to see that team again. Like I miss that team, you know. Winning games is fine, but like I loved having that structure. I liked having that team win games. And now they just haven't been that team. Yeah, I miss I definitely miss that team a lot. <laughs> um yeah, it's it's I think it's pretty obvious that this roster construction um it, it not that it's impossible for it to work, but it's just for, like you said, for them to be cons- as consistent as they need to be, to be the 18 wheeler um, mm. that Barry Trotz likes to cite. Like it's probably, it needs an injection, right? Like they need right. something to change. And there have been some, some positive developments in, along the way. Um, I think Dobson is truly, sure. truly on the ascendancy to something really special. Like he looks he looks like he's. I, I think at the end of last season, uh, if you asked me where he his like ceiling was, I probably would have said you know good se- good second pairing defenseman who has his moments both good and bad. And I think now I'm way 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 above that, way above it. Like first pairing, I really do think uh, this guy he can run a power play. He's, his shot looks much better. His decision making's been much better, and his skating, uh, everything. He's just like the way he's reading the game. I think pairing him with Char is, is going to actually p- pay off down the road because you're you're playing with someone who's so unique and his skill set has been dis- diminished so he's like Dobson's n- needs to basically compute that into every decision he makes it's like okay like should I go after this puck because I know that even though Char has got the better angle like he probably won't get there because of his his he can't pivot or the other way like you know he, I know that Char's stick he's you know he's he's got the reach to probably break this pass up better than i even though i'm maybe i'm in the spot so like i do think down the road you know just his ability to kind of make these decisions in a split second what you need to do in the game uh will will, will even get better and uh so you look at that and and the most stunning development maybe is that Kiefer bellows uh looking like a good player and so like there's these these like blips of um you know long-term optimism and stuff that have, have have arrived in this in in this roster construction which are good but the the you know the big the season wide <laughs> look is 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 that the team does uh have too many flaws to be the consistent islanders that uh we've seen over the past three seasons uh so that's that's where the you know the, the whole talk of you know how long is this how wide open is this team's window and i think when uh if you consider the courts there's much more many more reasons to be positive than negative but unless they do fix a couple of holes that aren't going to be particularly easy to fix but are fixable <laughs> uh you you can uh, you can kind of give give credence to people who who do doubt that this team which is you know aging obviously uh and is already old and and, and doesn't have uh you know young uh, top level prospects to kind of just fill in in, in, in every position um, yeah. that uh, you can, you can, you can be like, you know, I, I, I get why people maybe are, are down a little bit thinking that, you know, this was their best shot and maybe it was, but uh, there, I think the, the, the development of, of a few players entering their prime and uh, does give you more pause for, to be, to be caused to be uh positive than the negative right now. Yeah, um, well, that's a good segue to uh, to what our second uh, half will talk about some possible changes there. But uh, yeah, it's um, you know it, it <laughs> that Caps game. I mean, when when Kiefer Bellows is one of the guys who stands out uh, most in a game, it's probably not a good sign. But that being said, <laughs> with all due respect to Kiefer, uh, he's looked pretty good over the course of the, the majority of the season. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not worried too much about the long term stuff, but. Uh, Again, this season is just so up for grabs. It's kind of hard to to get a handle on on how to feel. But uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about some 
pieces that mm, might make sense for the Islanders uh, at some point. Uh, this is going to cost you. So uh, be prepared to uh, put some uh, some uh, pieces on the table to get pieces back. But uh, we'll see uh, who makes sense and who we can see coming to the island and who uh, they're probably not going to get. All right. Uh, give us give us a minute and then come back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now a word from our sponsors. First always is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also carries our Al Arbor t-shirt, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. You can use the code Lighthouse15 to save yourself 15%. That is VintageIceHockey.com. Betway is the official betting partner of the NHL. Play big pick for free or play for real. Residents in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Idaho, and Iowa only. I guess New York is probably not too far off, but uh, I'll wait till I see that someplace in writing. Uh, click the uh, link in the podcast description for this if you want to join. Must be 21 or over. Terms and conditions apply. Try wines from the Pinot Project. Delicious Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, and Rosé, all under $15 a bottle. Available at your local wine shops and at UBS Arena. Please play and drink responsibly. Uh, okay, so there have been some names in the rumor mill lately, and I want to say right up front that none of these guys have been connected to the Islanders in any way, shape, or form, as most guys in rumor mills aren't, because if they did, Lou Lamorello would probably cut somebody's fingers off, because that's the way he rolls. Um, however, uh, one of them will be in town this Friday, and his name is Jacob Trickerin, and he's the only member of the Arizona Coyotes that anybody really has any pays any attention to, uh, and uh, he's a guy who... There's really no reason for the Coyotes to want to trade Jacob Chikrin other than the fact that they stink and maybe they can get some some pieces for him and, and fill things out. They already have a million draft picks. I don't know. It's not about that. Maybe it's getting about pieces back. But I think it's more about people, i.e. Canadian media members that see a hole in a lineup of, say, the Oilers or – uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, who is Canada's second favorite team all of a sudden, or maybe the Canucks. And they're like, wait a minute, this guy's pretty good. He plays for a crappy team. Maybe they can get him. Um, I, to me, you know, I, I don't I've never I haven't watched Chicken enough to know how good he is. I keep hearing about how great he is. If the Coyotes do give him up, it's not going to be cheap. I don't know if the Islanders have the pieces uh, to get this guy. He is signed. He's 24. He's signed, I think, for the next four or five years. So, you know, it's not like they'd be giving up a lot for rental, but uh, I don't know. I mean, he's the hot name out there and everybody kind of wants to be involved. And I, I, to me, I, I just I don't see the Islanders getting him. But I know you're a huge fan and uh, you uh, you keep mentioning to anybody who will listen that uh, when when he get not if, but when <laughs> he gets to the Islanders, it'll be a wholly different ball, totally different ball game. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what is it about Chicken that makes you think that? Uh, He's going to be the perfect fit for the Islanders. Well, there's, there's like a, a couple of things right off the top that you need to mention. Is that as it's ho- the hockey media, hockey fans, everyone, everyone looks at tr- trades in in the same uh, like prism when when it's mm. you can't right. We saw it. <laughs> I think the best, honestly, one of the best examples ever was the Andy Green trade when the Islanders gave up a second round pick and everyone freaked out and made fun <laughs> of the Islanders for doing that. But then if you look at it from purely the Islanders in a vacuum. That Andy Green made so much sense for them at the time with Adam Pellick out. That's exactly the type of player they needed. Um, and I mean, you could, could see, I think now you look back on that train and say, yeah, the Islanders won it in a trade that everyone made fun of. 
Um, so you need to look at trades from from uh, different perspectives. Like even the Taylor Hall trade for the Sabres last year. Taylor Hall was being going to be traded. Everybody knew he was going to be traded. And he only wanted to go to sp- a couple specific spots. So like it's not like the Sabres could get the maximum amount of value because they didn't have the full bidding war um, in, in, uh, to play against. So mm-hmm. when that trade got made fun of on the Sabres perspective, you, you need to then look at it from Buffalo, the Buffalo standpoint, which is they probably got the best offer. It's not like they, they turned down a better offer uh, because, <laughs> you know, they're like, well, we're you know, we just want to like, it's, this is, this is how it works. So no matter what happens, um, this trade, if it, if whoever gets Chitrin, uh, Chikrin, uh, will, will be looked at, um, and, and, uh, lampooned from a hundred different directions that aren't from the team that is actually affecting. And, and I think that if the, if for the Islanders, it, it does make so much sense that if it is a big package, you need to look, view it as, yeah, they gave up a lot, but what they did was they now have a cost-controlled defenseman in the right spot, um, and you're ne- now looking for the next, you know, five years of Adam Pellick, Ryan Pollock, Jacob Chikrin, and Noah Dobson in their primes, which gives you the best top four in the league probably next season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as long as things stay on script with health <laughs> and development, etc. So you look at it from that from that point it makes so a total amount of sense. Um, and then like the other thing is that people always seem to overestimate what the return is uh, for. Oh, definitely going to be for a player. <laughs> so you, if you listen to 32 thoughts, you listen to the Jeff Merrick show, which are the, the two kind of daily news uh, outlets, I guess for, for NHL fans, especially on the side of, of the Canadian border to listen to you're hearing that they want, you know, first round pick a young player who's already on a roster a, pro, uh, a prospect and then probably like a b-level prospect or whatever um yes of course that's what they want like that, and that's what they're, they're not going to say oh what do you want like oh we want you know first round pick and if we get more that's great like that's not what they're going to say like they're the the coyotes are going to pr their way to the best deal that they can get so they're going to put that out there so people are like well it's going to take a2 ratu bovillier bellows plus a first for the islanders to get i was yeah, I'd be shocked if that's mm. what what they end up paying. Um, and th- at that point, then, then then you could really start to think about the return. But um, the the point is that it, it's likely going to be underwhelming because when has there been a trade that's made where everyone's like, "Wow, what a haul for this team to get for Jacob Chikrin, who they know is going to be traded." So <laughs> the leverages are pretty much gone already. Like it's the the, the Coyotes are going to trade this guy, so teams know that, and they're not going to. Uh, they're bidding against one another rather than uh, just trying to pry a player away from the coyotes. Like this, the the prying part doesn't need to be done. So you don't need to sweeten the the pot that way. So I actually think like, and I do, you know, not, not to go all insider, but like I do have somebody who was talking to that said the Islanders are definitely in it. And um, I think what that tells you is that whereas a lot of people will, will say the Islanders don't have like the, the farm system, needed to, to pull off a deal of this magnitude mm. i don't they still have enough young high-end players i mean it'll deplete it further which if doesn't really matter to this team right at this second but um i do think like they can probably get away with uh a a a, a trade that will end up p- with people saying oh that's all the coyotes got for for chikrin like that's crazy uh but it will more likely than not will will require somebody who you know we all like or love or whatever uh being removed from from the roster or the organization whether it's a prospect or whatever but i I do think that uh that's that's those are the two things always keep in mind when 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 the island like when any team and your team's involved in a trade rumor is that your team is different from the other 31 teams uh, so you got to remember that when 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 people from toronto are parachuting in to to weigh in on the trade and then two um, that the the rumored uh, returns are always so much drastically yeah. higher than what they are. I mean, even think about the Jack Eichel trade, um, which I thought the Sabres did pretty well to get guys like Peyton Krebs and Alex. Alex Tuck, first of all, like he's, he's makes a ton of sense for them because he's from the area. I was going to say he player, wanted right? to go to Buffalo. Right. <laughs> like, so like, he, like there's there are so many kind of like those kind of in the weeds things that people are going to gloss over. Um, and I don't think anyone was like, wow, that what a haul for Buffalo. Like they, they just gave up one of the best players in the league and that's what they got back. 
Jacob Chikrin, even with Eichel being hurt uh, and coming off that that surgery, is nowhere near the value of mm. Jack Eichel, right? So you're already looking at if that, if they gave up a, a young roster player, a good prospect, and what a first and a second for Eichel, mm. I can't remember the exact package. Where's where does where does Chikrin who um, you know, fit next to Jack Eichel? And I think you'd mm. say like what sixty percent of maybe that package. <laughs> so there, that's the things to keep in mind because it's just going to be. If it, you know when when this does these sweepstakes do really hit a crescendo with when Chikrin um, gets healthy because uh, he's been on IR for a bit, uh, just you know don't don't get sucked into the <laughs> into the you know it's going to take this 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 and this like yeah that no that that's what happens to me and and you know that Eichel thing I hadn't even thought about it but you're right and actually now that I think about it the previous Coyotes standout defenseman that got traded that we kept hearing about people they were going to want a king's ransom for was oliver ekman larson that got dumped off to the canucks with a bunch of other busted parts. well he he got traded essentially for a bunch of busted parts because the coyotes were ready to tank and so nobody would have ever in the the previous whatever five years of of oel trade rumors nobody ever thought that it was going to take uh jay beagle louis erickson and i think you know a couple of picks or whatever for not only OEL, but um, who was the other guy that went to, to Vancouver? Connor Somewhere Garland. There. Yeah. And like yeah, Connor Gar- Garland. Yeah. Like, so, you know, at first it was like, oh my God, the Canucks really, you know, made out on that deal. But OEL has been pretty lousy. Garland, I guess, is sort of okay. But the team itself is really outside of that, that hot streak with Bruce Boudreaux. It's not been going all that well in Vancouver this year. So, yeah, I guess that's true. You never really do know. And uh, who knows what's going around in the mind of, Coyotes GM Bill Armstrong. I mean, also, I mean, what? Well, who says that the picks have to be this year too? Maybe he'd prefer picks for next year's draft too, which the Islanders have their full complement of. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, his is the big name out there. I think you know there again, there's some sense to be made for the Islanders, and yeah, top four of Pelic, Pulik, Chikrin, Dobson, uh, and then you know Mayfield as the fifth guy, and that's pretty darn good. <laughs> he could slot a Sallow, or you know, I don't know if Green would come back. Char is definitely not coming back. But they find somebody else. There's also Samuel Bulldog in the uh, the AHL, but maybe Bulldog, maybe he goes over to Arizona. You never know. But you know, it is it is hard to part with guys that that you like, and and you know, sadly for Anthony Bovillier, Arthur Staple was joking, I think, recently that you know he keeps bringing up Bovillier in these trade rumors, and it's like he's not trying to get rid of this guy, and obviously he doesn't have the power to, even if he wanted to, and it's not like the Islanders are trying to get rid of this guy either. But he's a kind of movable part, like he's a guy who you can see being good enough to throw into a trade, but at the same time being kind of replaceable if you can find another scoring winger somewhere in free agency or maybe even a draft. Um, But there's another defenseman who is available uh, apparently right now, which is a completely different set of circumstances. And that is John Klingberg of the stars. The stars we'll talk about Dallas in a second because they're kind of a fascinating team right now, but uh, he is a UFA at the end of the year. He is 30 years old and he's, been around for quite a long time. He's going he's almost he's 29. He'll be 30 at some point uh this year. And uh he uh he wants a big salary cap. He's uh you know he wants a, a big new contract. And the Stars have given out a lot of big contracts and Klingberg unfortunately was the last guy in line and didn't get one. So now he wants to move on to something else. Um to me of all the people that of the he and Chikrin to me I think Klingberg makes the most sense for the Islanders. He plays the more kind of Nick Letty-ish game, a little bit more offensively minded than Chikrin does. He's got a higher, you know, he's kind of better um, underlying stats over the last couple of years. He is older. He's about a good five years, four and a half, five years older than Chikrin. So, I mean, there's that to consider. And he's going to want a big ticket. Like, that's the thing, too. I do think the Islanders have the, the cap room to give it to him. Uh, if you look at cap friendly, I think they might be able to make it work. Again, assuming that somebody goes the other way. Um, you know, I mean, am I crazy to think that, like, a Beauvillier for Klingberg trade might kind of benefit both teams. Bo, I think, has two years left on his deal, right? And then he's a UFA himself. Um, and then Klingberg, you'd obviously have to – I wouldn't do it without knowing I'm going to sign Klingberg. Um, but, you know, I don't know. To me, that seems to would kind of benefit maybe both teams. I mean, they could get some little scoring. I don't know what the Stars are looking for. I think they might be just looking for anything in a Klingberg trade. And I don't know if they want, like, picks or anything because they're – like the Islanders, they're an older team – who knows what the future holds for them? They've got a lot of moving parts. They're, they're not terrible, but they certainly aren't going too many places this year. And I, to me, Klingberg is the one that fits best because he can give the Islanders what they're missing from not having Letty and obviously Devontae's. We don't get into that. We don't need to get into that. But 
when I think of the chicken stuff, I'm like, eh, yeah, I guess that'd be pretty cool, but it'd cost a lot. And I hear Klingberg and I'm like, mm, now that's a guy I think they can get a lot cheaper and would fill their needs better, uh, you know, going forward for the you know foreseeable future. I guess it depends on, on the number that he would need to extend yeah. at because if he wants this crazy deal from Dallas or Max deal. Oh yeah. If he wants like 8 million or something. Yeah. Then, you're then you're like, <laughs> it just really, it, but like Lou has been so good at getting guys to not right. do that. So it, like if he came in at, at like a number, um, you know, closer to the, the Pelic and Pollock or a little less than what they've been doing. Like it, it makes mm. a lot of sense to get him. So like the, his, the variables with him is, are um, just like a lot like with Chick with Chickren, you know, like this guy's coming in, he's coming in at this number for the next three years or so. With Klingberg, you're like, okay, you know, he's, he's, he's probably the ceilings higher. He's a, he's a really, you know, talented kind of, in his own way player. He's, he's really good at keeping plays alive at, at opening space on blue line by just moving the puck himself by skating or passing. And um, yeah, he fits in with the Islanders. Well, and um, it's, uh, it's been far too long since the Islanders have had a, have had a solid Swedish defenseman too. Um you know, I, we're, we're, we might get there with, with, with Salo. Spe- I think Salo is Finnish and then Sebastian oh. Ajo somehow is Swedish, which yeah. is so funny because it should be the other way around. And, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, with Ajo or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it, 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 like like I was saying earlier, it just depends on on, on what what would have to be taken from off the Islanders lineup to get either player, um, mm. I think is and, – and that's obvious to say, but um, – because I think I think the a Klingberg move is, is riskier than a Chikrin move, even though it would probably cost more to to get Chikrin than it would cost to get Klingberg. Um, but yeah, I think the, the fact once again, and it's this is going back to when the Islanders were talked about uh, when they traded for Pajot and and then uh, were all day long, you know, trying to figure out how to make the the logistics and accounting work for Parisi for Lad deal that trade deadline it's just fun to know that they're in there's they're they're being talked about to be in the mix who knows if they actually are like with with Lou but um you know the chickren it does seem like they definitely are in on chickren and um have have like a, they are sensible landing space um <laughs> which probably means that they're likely thinking about Klingberg you know what what it would take to but um yeah that's like exciting and it does show you that this team is not only has an eye on this year um which is slipping away but the 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 season next season too where uh either one of those guys on the blue line changes the outlook of this team completely and 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 was we were alluding to earlier in the episode that's what they need and there's there as long as things just don't go completely off the rails with 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 the players in their core you know pretty safe bet to say that barzell and wallstrom beauvillier anders lee even like Brock Nelson, these guys, Peugeot will will be Zekas too. Like they'll be at at or above the level that they they could keep progressing or be close enough to the level they're at now next season. Um, and then you throw in a guy like one of those two players, and it really does um, you know give give the team a ton of uh, mm-hmm. hope, especially with the goaltending that they have. Uh, which yeah, like you said earlier with, with Varlamov, like seeing Simeon Varlamov turn the corner and get back into form is great. Not just because like, you know, they, he, his stock rising is a good thing on, on, on every level because you need your goalie to be good. The team relies on his goaltending. And, um, but also as you know, if, if we, if the Islanders are truly out of it uh, at the deadline, you want to talk about holding some, like a King's ransom, like Simeon <laughs> Varlamov could win a team a cup. So, <laughs> like, it's serious. Like he, like you, you trade that guy to to Washington, to Pittsburgh, to Edmonton teams that probably need just a little bit more stability and goal. You know, even you know teams like Florida uh, mm. with with Spencer Knight kind of struggling there. And I know that the number would probably be too big with with him and Bobrovsky. But um, you know, the, the Islanders are going to be involved in a lot of these things in a lot of different ways. That where, but they're going to be such a peculiar team because uh, they know that next season no matter how, if they lose every other game this year, like next season, they're going to be expected to contend and need to contend mm. uh, again. Like, so their, their trade deadline is going to be fascinating from that standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what their appetite is for trading Varlamov, but you're right. Like they could, <laughs> they could, and they could probably get a lot for him. And uh, 
if you have been uh, watching from afar, the meltdown of the Edmonton Oilers uh, has been hugely entertaining. In fact, they lost last night. They had a 3-1 lead on the Ottawa Senators and ended up losing 6-4. to And if you haven't watched the video of that, I highly recommend it because it is hilarious. <laughs> Like, how yeah. can Holland isn't calling yeah. Yeah. you every day to say, like, what? what was, <laughs> but they're funny that they don't, they, they're kind of like the Islanders, where I don't really think their uh, their prospect pool is, is thought of as much, no. like, that highly. So, like, I, I, in my head, I'm like, you might, if, like, hypothetically, and, and uh, if, if it was, like, a Varlam up to, to Edmonton deal, like that's been thrown, it's been thrown around, and his name has been mentioned in in as like yes. a sensible move. I, For like sure, on NHL radio, they always talk about him whenever they talk about they need to get a goalie. Like Varlama makes sense. I'm like, <laughs> like what the hell would the would the like what would the Oilers have that would be worth giving Simeon Varlama up? Because like once again, it you have to look at it the deal from the context of the Islanders. First of all, good goalie, really good goalie, still at an age where it's appropriate to think he's going to be good again next year sure. and huge the part of the locker room with, they yeah, love and him the guys playing know. with him is yeah. his they seem to be great together yeah. like they like each other a lot they're both russian the young the sorokin seems to be a guy who leans on varlamov a lot mm. in terms of just like navigating a new completely new culture um mm. so like to, to to delete that all of that from the roster to maybe you know unsettle your your goalie of the future a little bit like what does that cost the islanders you know what 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 would that be so uh that's why you always need to look at it these trades from the 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 low like go a few layers than just pierre lebron saying i like this return <laughs> yeah and i Jeff, would think Jeff it would... Merrick saying you know rattling off whoever wherever right. the prospect they get plays junior hockey and what co- his coaches yeah. say about him dude I, you know i'm glad you brought that up and i wasn't joking before when i said that i watched the video of the senators beating the oilers before but I don't know who was calling the game, but like it was a, it was, you know, they take clips from the game itself and it's the third period. The senators are, you know, go up a goal or whatever. And again, they're whoever is doing the game is talking about the guys, junior teams. Who cares? We, we got past this when we got rid of Pierre Maguire on NBCSN. And now he's, I assume walking around the senators offices telling people where everybody played their junior leagues. But like, dude, who cares? Like when you watch you're going to watch football games this weekend that are playoff games nobody's going to bring up what they did in, in college. If anything, they are, it'll be like in passing. I was watching the Bengals game and they mentioned that Joe Burrow and, uh, and uh, I guess Jamar chase were both from, from LSU and that's fine, but it's like, it's done. It's over with. They don't make it, they don't make it sound like that's what this guy was when he was a 16 year old playing for a St. Mike's like who cares? Just get on with it. Life goes on. <laughs> Things go on. Get, let, let the guy be what he's going to be now. Why do we keep talking about what this guy did when he was 16? Who the hell cares? Everybody's a super goal scorer in junior. That's how they get drafted. <laughs> then they come to the NHL and they turn into something else. I just it drives me bananas. Scott. <laughs> and then they story, they try to like one up each other too. I guess it's the best. It's like it's just. It's I like, guess yeah, they're just like, shouting out these tiny little Canadian cities. I guess I, I don't know. It's just yeah, and 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 I get like, you know, like a lot of these cities in Canada are like in like remote, cold places, and yeah, they don't they have like small populations. So it is nice when you know players like Dylan Cousins or something mm. makes it to the NHL, and that's great. Like, mm. but Dylan Cousins, there's not if you if you do it for everybody, it. It waters down what Dylan yeah. Cousins accomplished a lot, and, and don't do it to the detriment of the broadcast that's happening right now. Like once right. again, I've said this Where before: you once the pl- third period starts, enough with the junior stuff. Like we're talking <laughs> about now, now. Like that's it. <laughs> and you also have people who like on ESPN Plus who are tuning in and being like, "Oh yeah, like I would think I might be getting into hockey. Oh, McDavid's playing. This is great. Yeah. Oh, it's a fun game between the Oilers and Senators." And then you hear the guy talking about, <laughs> mm. yeah, like yeah, how how his coach in in junior said like he was he was you know in 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 when he played for Kelowna, he was in the locker room at first, last, last to leave, that kind of guy. And, and the person watching in you know Kansas City is like, what? "Wow, this is. I need to get. I need to figure out where these places are. That seems like it's way too much work." Yeah, exactly. Well, if you were watching it on ESPN, you don't. The only commentary you'd be hearing would be John Bujagras talking oh, about he, biscuits he and sauce and flow and lettuce. And, terrible. And then you just turn it off. But I have no idea what the hell this guy's talking you, about. You you brought up a point uh, <laughs> last year with like a. John Forsland and his catchphrases and stuff. And mm. since you brought that up, I always like listened for him. And the funny thing, like the thing with Forsland, at least he's like a professional at, at like weaving yeah. in them in and out. And it's, they get annoying because you know they're canned. But with Butchergrass, it's like he's calling the game mm. for 
uh, as if like he's he's got like twelve friends who who like he wants to prove that he's like a cool <laughs> hockey guy too. He's like, did yeah. you hear me say that uh, that right. uh, Nero Haskinen did a spinorama and then backhand sauce and then the celly was sick? Like, yeah, John, <laughs> we, we all heard it. It was very embarrassing. Yo, you guys hear me talk about Jack Hughes's lettuce? <laughs> yeah, man, it's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, that that was a Dom thing. I hadn't even thought about Forslund's catchphrases until I met I saw Dom mention it in a recap and I was like he does a lot of ca-. and then I watch it and now all I hear yep. when I hear John Forslund uh. is catchphrases and it's like yeah so but uh yeah uh one other guy real quick before we before we move on uh that's another defenseman that might be available Hampus Lindholm of the Ducks he was a, an early target Art Stable brought him up a bunch of times in some early articles um, but then the Ducks got off to this crazy hot start and all of a sudden it looked like, oh, wow, they're going to be really good this year. Well, now all of a sudden they stink again. So maybe Lindholm, he's another UFA, becomes available kind of in between Klingberg, probably not as good as Klingberg, maybe a little bit more sort of on the offensive end as uh, as Chikrin, a little older than Chikrin too. He's another guy who I think the Islanders might be able to get. I, the, the Ducks seem like they were playing with some foul money this year, but have all of a sudden come crashing down hard to earth. So I, I don't know, but. You know, I could still kind of see that maybe happening, but uh. yeah, he'd he'd be he'd be interesting because he would be, I think, in terms of his next contract, would be a little cheaper than the other one yes. uh, than than Klingberg. So it's like, yeah, he, he, an interesting option there, and, and someone who I've always wanted. I think the Islanders had a shot to draft him. I can't remember when it was <laughs> when he was drafted, but he was there, and yeah. uh, I think they might have went. That might have been the Griffin Reinhardt thing. That was the twenty twelve. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they took Reinhardt, and which, then Lindholm went two two guys afterwards, which they traded. You know. Reinhardt for Barzell, so yeah, Jesus that worked Christ. out pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. It was it was Reinhardt that draft was so Ryan Murray second overall, Galchenyuk third, and then Reinhardt, Morgan Riley, Hampus Lindholm, Matt Dumba, and of those five guys, <laughs> <laughs> the the last two. Well, Morgan Riley's pretty good. Dumba is obviously pretty good. Yeah, Lindholm was fine. You know, he's not a bad player. He's totally fine. But the the two the first two guys. By far the worst of them, yeah. You know, Ryan Murray yeah. and and, Ryan and, Hunt, and that's so. I think that's the infamous tra- draft where they tried to trade everybody for Ryan yes. Murray for yeah. the right to take him, and also that's also the day that they traded for uh, Lubo Viznovsky, right? And then a couple yeah. weeks later, he was in, yeah. or months later, he was in Slovakia on his team's bus, and <laughs> someone posted a picture where like, "Hey, that guy's an Islander. We got to get he's yeah, supposed right? to be funny for them." Um, oh, just Jacob Truba, Slater Cuckoo. I remember him. People talking about him like he was. Gonna be great. It didn't work out that way. Uh, Oli Mata too. Uh, was, was the, did we take off? Was that the seven defenseman draft too? Yes. For us. Yeah. 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 So that, like that draft and, and just in you you want Islanders thirty for thirties like <laughs> that draft is from the the Lubo to the trying to trade everyone for Murray Griffin yeah. for Barzell and then the fact that they took all seven defensemen and mm. Pellick was the one who ended yeah. up probably being one of the best in the entire draft, maybe the best in right. the third round, right? Well, he, all right, here, here's your Geico trivia question of the day, okay? So they drafted uh, – the Islanders drafted Reinhardt in the first – so they were all defensemen in that draft. Yeah. So they drafted Reinhardt in the first round. They drafted Pellick in the third round. Who did they draft in the second round? I, I was going to answer this question before overall. you even finish the question. Yeah. Billy Polka. Billy who Polka. I thought, who I yeah. thought was going to be awesome. I remember, yeah. like, he was he – was, and then when they traded him for for Letty, I was like, you know, the, the Blackhawks, like, they're gonna love you're gonna you guys are gonna love Billy Polka. <laughs> and TJ Brennan, right? The TJ Brennan was yeah, the other that, guy in that yeah. trade. Yeah. So. <laughs> this whole draft is packed to the girls with weird defenders. Shane Gostas Bear is also on it. Colton Pareko, third round, also Matt Grizzlick. Wow, this is a crazy they should do a 30 for 30 on this draft. Loic Laduke, also another yeah. Islanders pick there. And uh yeah. So a lot of fun. Anyway. Oh, Connor Hellebuck. He's not a defenseman. What are you doing? What's he doing in here? <laughs> so there you go. So, yeah. So, yeah, some options there, I think, you know, for the Islanders uh, going forward. But, again, it's going to depend on what teams want and, and where the Islanders are headed. Like, we, don't, we have absolutely no idea. Uh, and, you know, real, real quick on these three games coming up. So they got a back-to-back against Philly Monday, Tuesday. I believe the Tuesday game is in Philly. Um, then, then they got Friday night against the Coyotes. They have two back-to-back games this week, Friday night against the Coyotes, and then Saturday against the Leafs. So it's a weird schedule. Three games that, quite frankly, the Islanders need to have. Like, if you don't come away with six points from these these first three games, man, I don't know what to tell you. Like, maybe win one in overtime or shootout or something like that. But, like, come on. The Leafs are going to be hard to come by. We've already seen them. Now, when the Islanders did play the Leafs last time, 
very famously, their lineup was half dudes from Bridgeport. So I'm hoping for a better result this time. Uh, and, you know, I don't think the Leafs are, are an unbeatable team. They certainly can win. They lost to the Coyotes the other day, uh, thanks to a very strong goaltending performance. Um, so the Islanders are going to need that. But, I mean, these first three games, man, you, you got to beat these. I mean, the Flyers at this point are like, that's a dead team walking. Like, they, they're poor guy. I feel bad for them. They just have no idea what's coming up. And then the Coyotes, I feel even worse for it. They, their season never really got started. So. Get six points out of these games. That's all I can tell you. And then we'll then we'll worry about the rest of the season after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. You get six six points. Uh and then we're 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 doing the Godfather meme all over again. You know, it's just <laughs> that's how it's gonna be this season. And yeah. Uh it's 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 the you there's just so many layers you can look at it. You can look at it from the, the every game standpoint, mm. like I was saying before. You can look at it from the three and four. Or uh, you know, Matt, Maddie, the usher who listens, was like, you know, if they go nineteen, ten, and two over the next thirty-one, like that's not a crazy pace, and right. that should get them to a point where they're close enough to be "quote unquote" in the race around the deadline or whatever. And um, so, like, you can look at it from you can do so many mental, so as much mental gymnastics as you want to keep to justify uh, staying invested in the season or you can just write it off if you want to like there's you can really go a million different directions with it, how to approach this right now as a fan and the uh yeah like you said it's the, the most unfortunate part about this whole hmm. uh, thing is that they played 30 games so there's still 52 left and we're in january Man, like the, the, i woke up thinking that oh my god there's 52 games left <laughs> yeah how is that even possible? I feel like they played 52 already. I'm exhausted. And they barely, I mean, they've gone weeks without playing. It's crazy. But it's just how it is this season. It's insane. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get these points. I mean, especially, you know, if, you, if they could bury Philly, I mean, that would, that would probably effectively end their season, which would be fun. Um, and then the Coyotes, I don't know where they're, I mean, I'm assuming the Coyotes probably are playing in the Garden or Jersey or whatever, or maybe even Philly, uh, you know, and I, before, which is probably why it's there aren't playing the Islanders are playing on Friday night. But uh yeah, they need to get this. And then, you know, obviously we all want them to beat the Leafs, but we just gotta hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> there. Uh, I'm tired of talking about the Leafs. Um okay, real quick before we sign off, um if you're subscribed to the Lighthouse Hockey podcast feed, you may have seen or hopefully you've already listened to uh mike and i debuted a new podcast last week called Weird Islanders. We had our friend Carrie Haber on and the first subject of the first episode of Weird Islanders was one of the weirdest Islanders of all, Brian Rolston. Uh, it was a fun conversation. And it's a lot different from from this show. We just kind of start talking about one player, and then we end up down 100 different rabbit holes of other players. Uh, we're going to do it again, hopefully real soon. We're going to get another guest on. Uh, the criteria, in case you haven't listened and you want to know what a Weird Islander means, criteria is a couple of different things. First of all, the guy has to have played either one season or less for the Islanders, or he has to have played multiple small parts over the course of multiple seasons. So for example, a guy who played one season for the Islanders that we might discuss would be say Zen and Kanopka. Uh, but a guy who played multiple seasons with the Islanders, but really only short cups of coffee would be like a Jeremy Colleton, somebody like that. Uh, the other criteria is they have to be a veteran Island a player who nobody really associates with the Islanders. And of course the classic example of that was somebody like Cliff Ronning, Nobody remembers Cliff Ronning as an Islander except us, basically. <laughs> they might remember him, probably remember him as a Vancouver Canuck, maybe remember him as a uh, Phoenix Coyote or a Nashville Predator, uh, but he did, in fact, play for the Islanders for one season. So, you know, it's kind of a loose criteria, but we got to have rules. So, uh, you know, it's a fun, again, it's a fun time. We're trying to do things different. The response has been great. We've already heard a lot of, of other suggestions. You know who I left off the list? And you're going to be mad at me for leaving this guy off the list. I can't believe I forgot this guy. Val Philpola. We're definitely going to have a, an episode on Val Philpola. Oh, right? man. I mean, that has to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just a recency bias thing because when you think real, right. Weird Islander, you're, you're putting on a navy blue, you know, 2000s era jersey. Right. Oh, yeah. Most in your head. And man, yeah, Val Philpola. Yeah. I guess, you know, I'll save it for the Weird Islanders on Val Philpola. But that was, man. that was like a really like head slappingly, oh, duh. Oh, come on. Yeah. But yeah, like my brain immediately goes to like Milbury era islanders or even the early snow era you know where they had yep. a million guys rotating <sighs> he, he, you know, I, I, I just need to say one thing a lot of times when i'm watching highlights from that season he ends up scoring huge goals like in yeah. everyone i'm like oh shit like matt val Philpola scored that goal against the leafs uh in, in their mm. first game against them when they were in in toronto um mm. and it just yeah val Philpola, man yeah 
I mean, he's literally the guy we called Weird Franz. Yes. He was like 51 after Franz Nielsen. And so I just like, I I always tell my wife, I'm like, we call this guy weird. Literally, we named him Weird Franz and I completely left him off the weird. And and him and him and Leo, like, yeah, yeah. I think because because when Lou came in and he signed Leo and extended Hickey and extended Ross Johnston and kind of and and then like the Leonard trade was I mean the Leonard signing was like a, a, a polarizing one at the time too because he was coming off some down years and Phil Pollard kind of just like ended up on the team somehow I don't I don't <laughs> I can tell you exactly where I was when they signed Leo I can tell you where I was when they extended Hickey and Johnston on that day and I know exactly where I was for like most of these guys and I think Val just like showed up at training camp one day yeah yeah I mean I think he was with Philly at the time, and he was a UFA, and he just showed up. So, but uh, I just, you know, I got this huge list of guys, and again, thanks to everybody who uh, who made some more suggestions. But he was the one that I was like, man, I should have seen that one coming. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, we'll get to him eventually. Uh, you know, ho- hopefully, like I said, we, we, I'm hoping to line up another guest for this week, and uh, well, fun times. So if you haven't checked out Weird Islanders, you definitely do that. Uh, okay, uh, so I guess that's about it. Uh, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Check out VintageIceHockey.com. Check out Betway. Check out ThePinotProject.com. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Excuse me, the Big, big Lebowski, two E's. Find Mike at the Big Lebowski. Follow him on Twitter there. Read his work at the Action Network. I'll put a link to that uh, that uh, favorites uh, article in there because I, I, I read that and it was actually kind of fascinating and you wouldn't think of it that, you know, you're like, yeah, they're the favorites I always win. But no, these guys this year are <laughs> really. Yeah, it's just dominating. It's pretty crazy, which is good, which is bad news for every non-favorite out there, which is, yeah. I'm assuming the Islanders probably let the underdog more often than, than not this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, you guys going to say? <laughs> no, no, I was going to say, he's just laughing. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that's it. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week after these four whole games. Uh, can you stand it? Can you take can you believe the Islanders are going to play four whole games in one week? <laughs> we'll see how that works out. But uh, as of right now, they are scheduled to play them all. So enjoy the games and uh, we'll talk to you again uh, next week. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye bye.